The date is March 31st, 1995, and we're watching Tommy Boy. Welcome to I Used to Like This One. Hello and welcome to I Used to Like This One, the show where we take a look back at movies we remember fondly from our childhood and attempt to look past the nostalgia to see if they still hold up. My name is Sean Wells, and with me, as always, is the Richard to my Tommy. Hello, I'm Colin Stewart. And we are thrilled to bring back a guest which uh, who has been on our show before. I believe this is his hat trick. I think this is his third episode, or is it fourth? But the founder of a local improv group here in Edmonton, Good Improv, and he's got a bunch of online shit as well. Please welcome back Mr. Jordan Ward. Hello. Thank you for having me here. Oh, Happy to be here. We're excited. I mean, we, we've kind of run through a few different types of movies with you. So, you know, now we just get to do like a balls to the wall comedy after doing our action and our classic fantasy is that yeah. what you call Scorpion King? Yeah, Scorpion King, a little Con Air, I think we had there. Yeah. Stuff. So this week we are looking back at March 1995 when the movies and theaters were Man of the House, Outbreak, Major Pain, Tank Girl, and of course, our movie for today, Tommy Boy, which earned $32.7 million on a $20 million budget. I love Man of the House. That's one of my. That was another one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Yeah, that's Tim Allen, right? Am I thinking of the right movie? Uh shoot, I don't know because I had uh, Steve Martin in mind for some reason. Hmm. Let, let's see here. Let's see who's right. Man of the House is uh oh Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> okay. Tommy you know what? Lee Jones, where he's playing a cop for like in a sorority house with cheerleaders. Yeah. What? That has to be a different movie. I think I remember I think... that one. The cheerleaders were on the run and they were in this tunnel and he said, freeze. And they said, I didn't do it. And they jumped off to this big swan dive into yeah, the dam. It was the one armed man, wasn't it? Sure. Yeah. 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 I think that's the one. Yeah. I'm thinking of like a Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie. Yeah. But anyways, I digress. There will be spoilers ahead going forward. So if you don't want this movie to be spoiled for you, then please hit pause, go watch it, and then come back and hear what we have to say. Well, see, now I want to know which one that was, because I know which one you're talking about, and it's Chevy Chase, isn't it? And Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Oh, I think he might have. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh, yeah, that's that's the one. Man of the House. It is also Man of the House. So maybe that is what this one is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 1995. Yeah, which one did I just look up then? The Tommy Lee Jones one is a 2005. Okay, my mistake. No problem. Just glad we got to the got to the bottom of this. I got was to very the bottom con- of it. I was and very confused. <laughs> we so we were well. You were definitely right. Uh, you know for, for sure. So, well, the tagline that appears on the poster for this movie is: "I've got only one this week, but it might be the only one you need." If at first you don't succeed, lower your standards. Yeah. 
That's good advice. Good advice. Yes, for sure. The only problem with that tagline is it doesn't really like pump you up to watch a movie, I feel. Hey, you're it's basically not... saying it, it's good. Like it, it's all it could almost be a description of this movie, I guess. In that Yeah, in that I was sense. gonna say yeah. it's like it's like undercutting the movie. Maybe you'd be you'd see that and you'd be like, Well, I guess I'll lower my expectations because, you know, I don't want to expect anything highbrow. Yeah. But it may not be a very good description of this movie, so let's go to Colin and do a 60-second synopsis. Okay. <clears throat> After seven years in college, Tommy Callahan returns to his hometown of Sandusky, Ohio, to join the family business, Callahan Auto, where his dad, Big Tom, has decided to make him an executive. Not only does Tommy have a new job, but also a new family, as his dad introduces Tommy to his new mom, Beverly, and his new stepbrother, Paul. When the big day arrives, celebration turns to tragedy when Big Tom suffers a heart attack and dies, leaving Callahan Auto Parts on the brink of collapse. In order to save the company from being absorbed by its biggest competitor and to save the livelihoods of 300 Sanduskians, Tommy leverages all he has as collateral while he and his dad's right-hand man, Richard Hayden, set out on a cross-country sales trip to hawk enough brake pads to get the loan they need to keep the company afloat. Things get off to a poor start as the boys fail to make a sale. Tommy lights things on fire and Richard hits a deer that later comes back to life and destroys his car. Meanwhile, back in Sandusky, it turns out that Beverly and Paul are closer than mother and son. They are con artist lovers seeking to get a slice of the Callahan, and I put this in quotes, fortune? Because it's... I don't really know what their plan is. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of money to be had, necessarily. I guess they're selling it, but still. Things begin to turn around when Tommy learns the secret to selling is learning how to relate to people. Tommy and Richard manage to hit their sales target, but not before Paul sabotages it all by tampering with their orders. In a last-ditch attempt to save the day, Tommy and Richard hop on a plane to Chicago by impersonating a pair of flight attendants. Upon arrival, they rob a bank on their way to forcing a meeting with rival auto parts king Ray Zielinski by masquerading as a suicide bomber and forcing him into an agreement to buy enough brake pads to prevent Callahan Auto from being acquired by Zielinski's own company. That's your 60-second synopsis. Right on. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if you guys can see this right now, but I'm wearing my Callahan Auto Parts t-shirt. I mean, I have to kick this off. You know, we've talked in the past, Colin, about movies like Ready to Rumble, where you're like, no, this is one that I used to be able to just recite by memory when I was bored and just in my own head. This is the one for me. This was my ready to rumble. This this is the one that uh, probably one of the movies I've seen more than anything. And it I mean, it's always just brought me joy. So, I mean, I'm I'm a Tommy Boy fan for sure. Now, Jordan, what about you? What What is your history with this classic comedy, Tommy Boy? Well, I I wanted to watch a movie about rich Irish history, so obviously I picked a movie featuring the Callahans, you know. Yeah, well, of course. A real deep dive there, and uh, at first I thought, pump the brakes. Whoa, hold on there. But then the secret to their success turns out to be pumping the brakes. <laughs> they sell a lot of brakes, you know. The brake pads is what saves it in the end. But this was my first, I think, experience with uh, and exposure to uh, Chris Farley okay. as a comedian and as a yeah. performer. And um, I saw him a bit on SNL, but Tommy Boy was really the, hey, here's this guy type moment. And he was just amazing to watch. He was amazing to watch, rolling down that hill, crashing into things. 
uh, you know, fat guy in a little coat. There's so many iconic moments in that yeah. movie. Great comedy moments. Loved it. Okay, okay right, right on. on. Uh, what, what about, about you, Colin? Colin? What, is what is your, your history, history with Tommy, Tommy Boy? Boy? Well, I I just watched it for the first time a day ago. <laughs> oh so, wow! Uh, okay, that's that's my history. I I'm gonna preface most of like most of what I say in this podcast by I had the I have had the unfortunate experience prior to watching this movie of watching. Uh, there's a new a new documentary series on Crave called The Dark Side of Comedy, and uh, the very first episode is all about the downfall of Chris Farley. <laughs> And uh, so I wouldn't recommend to anybody watching that before you watch this movie because, it, it, you know, it just sucks the comedy right out of it. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I yeah, I don't have a lot of history with Chris Farley in general. I was never a big SNL fan, and I think this is probably the first Chris Farley movie I've ever watched all the way through. Like, the only other thing I can think of seeing him in would be... Uh, Billy Madison. Billy Madison, okay, yeah. Um what what about like Beverly Hills Ninja? You've never seen Beverly Hills Ninja? No? No. Okay. Okay. Well, right on. I I did not know that we were going to catch you for the first time on this one. I mean, I only wanted to do this movie in our lead up to 100 just because I love it so much. So, there we go. We have the reverse of when we did Ready to Rubble right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, let let's jump into Tommy Boy. Uh, the original title of this movie was Billy the Third, a Midwestern. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but they wanted to change the character's name because they were filming Billy Madison at the same time and didn't want people to get confused by two movies with SNL guys that were both with a protagonist named Billy. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, they kind of intrigued me there with the Midwestern. They should make Midwesterns because Westerns were really popular. Yeah. So Midwesterns, you know, there's a new genre that's unexplored. So what do you think is like the main conflict in a Midwestern? Probably uh, moving. Come on. I was going to say ob- obesity, <laughs> diabetes. Obesity, yeah. There you go. Unemployment, obesity. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's because you know the majority of our fans are in New Jersey, so you know we, we only have to worry about East Coast United States with pissing people off. <laughs> so this movie I also read is inspired by Hamlet. I had never thought of that before, but it's like, oh, there is kind of a Hamlet, you know, usurping the throne kind of story going on here. I mean, I'm sure okay. it's. Yeah, inspired is the right word. Inspired by Hamlet. Because I don't think you could say that this is a Hamlet adaptation. No, no, because uh, Tommy there, he doesn't ever see the ghost of his dead father. And uh, his uncle's not trying to have sex with his mother. Although for a while, it kind of looks like... uh, His brother is. His brother is, (laughs) yeah. yeah. (laughs) So this movie directed by Peter Siegel who is like the director on Get Smart and then like a whole bunch of Adam Sandler movies, like 51st Dates, Anger Management, Longest Yard, produced by Lauren Michaels, of course, and written by Bonnie Turner and Terry Turner. And we open this movie on the flashback of Tommy as a child. Boy, did they nail the casting on that kid. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask if it was like a, uh, you know, like a, a nephew or a Farley nephew or 
distant cousin or something like that. Yeah, that I'm not sure of. There are two Farley brothers in this movie, though. Bo- both of his brothers, who we have seen in, like, Joe Dirt, they they both make an appearance in this. Kevin and John Farley. One is a guy at, at the wedding, and the other is Roy. Okay. So, yeah. But then we transition to current day, and we see that Tommy, even as an adult, is still missing the bus. He gets to his test on time. I, I still love... I mean... Yeah, Chris Farley is a master of physical comedy. Like, Colin, when you say that you've never seen, really seen a Chris Farley film, have you seen like YouTube clips of like his Chippendales routine, for example? No. Or, or <laughs> Matt Foley, the inspirational speaker, like a couple of his big ones. You haven't seen like YouTube clips, no? Uh, the only, like all all of my history of Chris Farley is is remarkably sad. The only clips I've seen with him are. Uh, like the clips that Adam Sandler shows at the end of his comedy special mm, uh, in, that, in, yeah. in the song that he wrote wrote about him. Yeah. So I I am like I think I've I've seen tiny little snippets, but like I've seen snippets of the Chippendales uh, one for sure. Oh, I imagine that documentary probably had clips, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But but they're but they're all kind of like pulled out of context, I think, and not. I've never watched any of them. I guess, like, just just to watch the whole thing and see what was going on. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Tommy takes the test and, you know, he says that one of the founding fathers is Herbie Hancock, which is a joke <laughs> that pays off all over the place. <laughs> but but he's happy because he gets a D plus. Uh, Jordan, have you ever paused the list? No. No. Okay. Well, Michael Jackson also got a D plus, And unfortunately, Helen Keller got an F. <laughs> well, Michael Jackson is the king of pop, but he's not the king of pop quizzes. Yeah, that's you know? true. <laughs> and Helen Keller, well, she got an F, but I don't think she had much to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> if, if people could see Jordan's face right now, he's very proud of that one. <laughs> Sam, I'm a little proud of that joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy Th- this university the marquette university it was actually chris farley's university i i read though i mean you know we've got the scene there where he's partying and you know like with with all the guys that like all his college buddies they all make fun of him for being in college for seven years but meanwhile they all look old but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's taking bong hits and, and drinking beers, but apparently he was actually sober during the filming of this movie. He actually stayed sober, but became addicted to coffee, and he was drinking like 27 cappuccinos a day. The stunt of him falling through the coffee table, this is where I was going before when I was asking if you knew anything about uh, Chris Farley, is like, what a physical comedian. And he insisted on doing that face plant himself. Yeah, <laughs> I will say watch, watching this movie, I'm shocked that Chris Farley, well, I, I don't even know, maybe it was, maybe he was, but or he was just doing so many other things he needed, didn't need them. But I feel like he really gave his all to the physical comedy in a in a way that makes me think he might have been addicted to painkillers. Because I don't see how he could have done a lot of this stuff without hurting himself. Yeah. Yeah, He, but he just went for it. I mean, it's even, if you watch any of his SNL stuff, like, he's throwing himself through walls and stuff all over the place there. Yeah. 
Yeah, and in the end, he uh, ended up slipping through the crack. <laughs> touche, touche. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, I loved Chris Farley though. <laughs> yeah, he was great. Yeah, maybe the the best physical comedian that ever lived. I yeah. mean, you have to take into account like this is coming after like Three Stooges and you know Buster Keaton and a lot of a lot of really strong physical stuff, and then that kind of slapstick kind of subsided for a while, but Chris Farley really brought it back to a point where I don't think you would have um, Melissa McCarthy or Kevin James or any of these people that have built successes on that style of comedy without Chris Farley. Yeah, no, Mm -hmm. I think that's very true. And, but like one of the things that like, he's so graceful too, though, like that, that's one of the things about Chris Farley is like, when you look at something like the Chippendale sketch, it's like, oh, you know, let's laugh at fatty is what you originally think. But like, he's dancing just as well as Patrick Swayze in that, in that uh, skit. Yeah, Colin, you have to Google Chris Farley Chippendales after this, because you, that sketch with, with our newfound affection for Patrick Swayze, you, you would definitely get a kick out of that sketch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I will I will need you guys should uh maybe after the give me a, like a, a list of Farley sketches to go so I can verse myself. I probably should have done that before this, but I mean, you know, yeah. live and learn, I guess. Yeah. It's like not watching the goofy movie with my kids, like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so he is now a college graduate, so he goes home and instead of his dad meeting him at the airport, we get to meet our other hero for this movie, Richard David Spade, and I mean, if you don't like David Spade's dry sense of humor, like, you have no chance in this movie, that's for sure. Like, they they play so well off each other because you've got the physical and you've got the dry, but it's like, you know, David Spade can be abrasive for some. His sarcasm. Yeah. This is a very early Spade, you know, like, I I, I always think of him, I really like the TV show Rules of Engagement, Yeah, where he's kind of like the you know, Barney Stinson-ish character. Yeah. And it's so, it's so different. Even, even like, this is more close to Joe Dirt, but compared to, compared to kind of the characters he plays now, I found it so reserved, I guess, for David Spade. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, a bit more subdued. I can see that. Yeah. But I mean, when you've got Chris Farley as a scene partner, like, you really have to play the straight man. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. This scene where he's picking him up at the airport, I actually had a, a section of this scene as like my outgoing voicemail for a while, <laughs> where it's like, you know, what, did you call from a walkie-talkie? And did I catch a niner in there? That part of it was uh, was my outgoing voicemail for a while. Like I told you, I, I was obsessed <laughs> with this movie. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. But he he's driving Tommy back to his dad. And, you know, he tells Tommy that you hold on to a car this cherry, kind of like your suitcase, <laughs> kind of like your suitcase. But, you know, unfortunately, when he turns the corner, a bunch of M&Ms fall down the heating vent. <laughs> and I think that means it's time for Sponsorship Corner! <laughs> Always on the lookout for product placements and movies. This week, Tommy Boy is brought to you by TD Bank. They were filming in Ontario. 
The Brady Bunch, <laughs> Greyhound Buses, Molson Dry and Budweiser Beer, Toyota, Plymouth, GMC, Cadillac, and Yamaha, M&M's, Raisinets, Glossette Raisins, Butterfinger, and Crunch Chocolate, Sony, Konica, and Canon Cameras, Pepsi-Cola, Sitgo Gas Station, Cremora Coffee Whitener, Inglis Appliances, AST Computers, Toledo Scales, Uniroyal Tires, Dunkin' Donuts, Marquette Rugby, and Little Trees Air Fresheners. Plus the possibly fictional Goodman Tires, Cherry Hill Mufflers, Oil Pro Oil Filters, The Cluck Bucket, Prehistoric Forest, Midwest Regional Auto Parts, and Midwestern Airlines, and finally, also brought to you by the definitely fictional Zielinski Auto Parts and Callahan Auto Parts. And this has been Sponsorship Corner. All the Zielinski commercials were filmed at a Canadian tire. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's pretty crafty. <laughs> I didn't. I never really managed to come up with one, but I feel like I was trying to find a, a Ukrainian, a Ukrainian-related joke to go with Zelensky. Oh yeah, just because you know, right now, what's his name? I don't even remember his first name, but you know, the Ukrainian Prime Minister Zelensky. He's all the rage these days. Yeah, yeah. So we get to meet Tommy's dad, played by Brian Dennehy, and. Uh, we the the whole bit with it. Can I open my eyes eyes now, Dad? I told you not to close them in the first place. But we get to meet Beverly, played by Bo Derek, and so we get the subtle line of "Wow, she's a ten. But I'm fun. Is that for me? Yeah. Could you could you be any more objectifying? <laughs> interestingly i found out that bo derrick was nominated for a razzie for this role wow and i did not think that she was bad in this role i mean yeah like not when i think of razzies i think of like somebody being exceptionally bad i kind of just found she was a throwaway character in this movie yeah a little bit yeah but then but then tommy gets to find out that he's also gonna get a brother out of this deal about the this new marriage that his dad is gonna be having and we get to meet paul as well played by rob lowe he's uncredited in this movie though really why because he wanted his appearance to be a surprise so he didn't want his name on any of the posters or in the credits or anything Hmm. yeah I sort of feel like being uncredited was like a weird power move that people pulled in the 90s like we've yeah. already talked about Polly Shore and Goofy Movie and then yeah. Robin Williams. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I, I, I do appreciate when uh, what wasn't it wasn't it Deadpool that did the end introducing Brad Pitt or something like that? No, <laughs> could be, I don't know. Yeah. There's one of those movies out there that like introduces someone really famous and it's like, oh okay. I like when they do that. That that's always a funny one. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. But brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got to hug. <laughs> uh, Rob Lowe is a funny dude, man. Like, yeah. I mean, in in this movie or in in general? I think in general too. <laughs> I really I, like him as Chris Traeger. Yeah. In Parks and Rec. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
was good in Parks and Rec. And then he was on a show where he was an actor pretending to be a oh, lawyer. The Grinder. I love that show. Yeah, it's yeah, so good. So yeah. good with Ben with no Fred Fred Savage. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. I, I like how this character is basically his character from Wayne's World, though. Hmm. <laughs> he's a he's a lucky guy, that Rob Lowe. Look, he's a in with Bo Derek and Tommy Boys with Tia Carrere and Wayne's World. Yeah. 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 Not too shabby. I thought it was fascinating that this movie is in 1995 and he's, I don't know, he's still making some television network cop show right now, but the guy has not aged a day. Yeah. Yeah. Does he suffer from the Benjamin Button disease? I'm not sure, but. He he almost looks younger now. I think he he suffers from uh, high, uh, what is it, adrenochrome intake. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> ah, there you go. You know, I was going to say earlier with you're talking about, oh, they had good casting for this kid. You know, they got islands full of kids, Hollywood. They got yeah. islands full of them. Just, they, they just roam the islands, you know, and when they need one, they just pluck one. Oh, so they're free they range. Them. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Roblo only eats the grass fed kids. <laughs> that's, that's how he maintains his youth. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. What 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 do you do if uh, you mate meet a new brother? Well, you you gotta take him cow tipping, man. Everything about this movie, like the the whole you know the mud. I I just love all the like dry little jokes that are thrown in by both David Spade and Rob Lowe in this movie. Where hey uh, Chaco, that doesn't smell like mud. <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> I found this whole scene confusing because they didn't it didn't seem to me like they left the cows any money. Yeah. And so I didn't understand the whole process. Like, I mean, it's supposed to be at least 20%, but what was the tab in the first place? Exactly. How do they, why do they owe these cows money? Yeah. And what's, or what service are they providing? That's they got to give them a, you know. They're just standing there. Yeah. Colin, you were raised on a farm. Tell mm-hmm. me you've been cow tipping. Uh, no. <laughs> no? Oh. <laughs> I don't know that cow tipping is a thing that happens in real life. Yeah. Okay. But. I mean, I guess it's worth a shot, but it also seems very, very dangerous. Yeah. yeah. You could start a stampede, couldn't you? Yeah. I mean, I was also way too young when I when I did live on a farm with cows to go cow tipping. I would have for sure been uh, trampled to death, mm. undeniably. <laughs> you only come up to the udder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did want to see like when when uh, Chris Farley gets down in in the he gets down at one point in like the football stands. I wanted, I mean, it, obviously the comedy is in him falling face first and cow shit and getting stepped on and all that. But yeah, you know, I kind of wanted to see if he was going to go for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently uh, at one point he did actually go for it with David Spade. They they actually got into a physical fight at one point. Really? Yeah. Because uh, there was one night that Chris Farley wasn't feeling well, so he went back up to his room. So David Spade and Rob Lowe went out for drinks and hung out. And the next morning, he was pissed that he wasn't invited and, like, just kept egging him on all day. And then finally, it ended with him, like, stepping on his hand, which was holding a tuna fish sandwich. And then, like, you know, David Spade pushing him back against the wall or something like that. Like, it just... Uh, David Spade ended up being thrown down a few steps, and then they're like, "Okay, mm. you're needed on set." 
But yeah, I guess they spent long stretches of this movie not talking to each other. Probably wow. lucky for David Spade because I feel like if Chris Farley wanted to, he could have eaten David Spade yeah. or snapped him in half like a twig. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's like that seems like a uh King Kong versus a small I don't know. What are, what are those little like capuchin monkeys? <laughs> <laughs> like Marcel from Friends, right? Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking yeah. of. <laughs> so Tommy finds out that Michelle is still working at his dad's plant. And of course, Michelle is going to be the love interest of this movie because, you know, we introduce a female character and she's going to end up being a romantic lead because we can't have anything else. Yeah, Michelle... I don't know. I do they ever? I don't remember. I don't remember if they actually end up kissing. Do they have a big kiss at the end? They do. Yeah. Yeah. They on do. the boat, don't they? Well, no. Okay. At the end, he's on the boat alone. No, she kisses him when Tommy saves the day because she comes to the office building, and yeah. it ends with Richard going, "Yikes!" That that's oh. the that's the punchline <laughs> to it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. See, I've seen this movie a lot. <laughs> As I say, did you, did you even have to watch it before we did this? Or? I, I did still watch it because, I mean, why aren't why am I going to pass down an opportunity to watch Tommy Boy? Gotcha. So it's now the wedding day, and how do we look? Chubby? Oh, wait, he's had too many to drink. So, but this is this is the reason why I've got Ray Charles in my playlist is because of this song. This song is the one that got me into discovering more about Ray Charles. Okay. And then eventually, you know, the uh biopic, but the Jamie the Jamie Foxx movie? Yeah, the the Jamie, yeah, Ray, Ray, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. You think they'll I, ever make a, a biopic of Chris Farley? I don't know. I I know, see, interestingly, I know that Chris Farley was trying to get a John Belushi biopic off the ground that he wanted to star in. And it's like so I think that one has to get made first. I, oh. who, who who would you cast as Chris Farley? Jonah Hill, maybe. Jonah Hill. <laughs> Jonah Hill. Well, yeah, is, is he fat again? Is he, is he? Is he in one of his fat phases right now, or is he skinny? No, right I now? think he's yeah. skinny right now. He'd have okay. to do some uh, fattening up. Josh Gad. Josh Gad. Maybe Tom oh, Holland. Yeah, Josh Gad. Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Take a real skinny guy and play against type make him big and fat and then well, you get some big fat guy and make him real skinny to play david spade christian bale is always yeah and i was gonna say Chris, christian bale <laughs> there you go this summer christian bale is chris farley <laughs> fat guy in a little coat the chris farley story yeah yeah but of course during the song Big Tom has a heart attack. I want to know, though, what what do you think the legalities really are of the fact that they... I don't think they've consummated this marriage yet. So, you know, is, is she really <laughs> entitled to the widow thing? Like, if he had died a week after they were married, I you know, I'd think, okay. But at the wedding? I mean, I don't think any paperwork would have been filed unless they did that in the weeks before. So. Yeah, that's right. Just shred that envelope. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember the my my first wedding. 
<laughs> wow, I get to be one of those guys that gets to say that. <laughs> but the justice of the peace that we had was like this shriveled little old lady, and she was like coughing her way through the ceremony. <laughs> And we were wondering whether we should mail the paperwork ourselves because we weren't sure whether she was going to make it to the mailbox. <laughs> so, but I did get married, so I guess she did. She didn't die that day. She didn't die at my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I have always liked the moment, though, where it goes from them gathered around him on the ground and the transition to the funeral. And we, we get our little sad Tommy walking around montage for a bit, but it really shows you that there are a few moments in this movie where you can really see that Chris Farley was a good actor too. Mm. Like outside of all his stupid shit, like his speech to his dad of could really use some wind here. You know, like it's just, it was a really touching moment, but I mean, I know with this, it's like you just let the bagpipes do the heavy lifting and he just has to walk along with his hands in his pockets. But, you know, I, th I see a glimmer of a really good performer that we missed out on. Hmm. <laughs> That's an interesting point. <laughs> I would say, I would say almost the exact opposite. <laughs> oh, really? There are times in this movie watching it where I just felt both Spade and, and Chris Farley. I'm like, you guys, are young, obviously, but it's like I feel like you're they're banking they're banking on the fact that people just love you from SNL. And I think for me, because I have no history with SNL, there there like the the scene the scene for example when they hit the deer, I was just like and they're like both seem to be like struggling not to laugh through when they're trying to be sad and cry. And then yeah. I don't know. I just didn't feel I, I I had put a note that I thought the acting the actual overall acting of Farley and Spade was one of the detriments to this movie. I thought the I thought that Brian Dennehy was great, but he dies pretty quick. And then I thought I thought Rob Lowe. I don't know what to think about him because I only really know him from Park Parks and Rec and The Grinder, and he's almost basically the same character in both of those shows. Yeah. And yeah, so this one was like very different to see him as this like brooding bad guy, I guess. Yeah. And I just found all the all the all the weird situations that he gets him in, himself into. It's just not my sensibility, I guess. I think I think one thing watching this movie, I found that that I don't think I appreciate physical comedy. I also don't think it's it's done very often in movies anymore. Yeah. Except so in the few that Jordan listed, like Melissa McCarthy and everything like that. Oh yeah, but see, I don't like her. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because she's like an unfunny Chris Farley in a lot of ways. <laughs> I see. I, I like uh, having watched this so many times. I like all the like little background moments that you okay. might not notice on the first part. Like, like just the little old lady when when they're trying to decide what to do with the company now that Big Tom's dead, you know, and she's like, and that's when the whores oh, yeah. move yeah. in, you know, I like, did like that. Just that these, was funny. <laughs> yeah, these these yeah these little assassins that come in and drop a couple of comedy bombs and drop the mic and walk out. Like that little old yeah. lady was amazing. I also felt like I wanted more Zelinsky by the end. I wanted more Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Which is odd because usually when we watch a Dan Aykroyd movie, we're like, 
Okay, that was enough Dan Aykroyd for a while. <laughs> you just needed a little bit more, like not too much. You don't want him to be the main. You don't want him to be the main course, but just like a, you know, <laughs> a little a healthy, boost. a healthy side. Oh, a healthy side. Okay, yeah. You're, you're you're not getting the salad. You know, they they've got some minestrone on the menu, and you're just craving that for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> but so. The plan is that Tommy and Richard are going to go on the sales trip that his dad was planning to go on. And we get a montage, a bad sales call, where he ends up lighting the guy's model car on fire. Still one of the greatest moments ever. (laughs) New guy's in the corner puking his guts out. (laughs) Sergeant's over there going, oh my god. Oh god. I should use that as a monologue when I audition for shit. (laughs) <laughs> there you go <laughs> I, I was thinking that too actually yeah well so okay so in the past when when i have made references to the cars not being demolished to the same level as tommy boy you've you've had no context for those you've gone along with me so yeah, I just nod and go oh yeah yeah, yeah like like planes trains and automobiles i'm like oh yeah no tommy boy doesn't get this bad of a treatment so so now that you've seen the co- tommy boy destruction what did you think about the car falling apart one piece at a time well it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because when i was watching it i was like oh this is like planes trains and automobiles <laughs> <laughs> little bit yeah without the deer <laughs> yeah without the deer yeah i did love okay that the one scene I really liked with Chris Farley that I thought was super hilarious was when he's filling up the car at the gas station and he he wrenches the door back and then he sets it up so that when Richard comes back he pulls the door off and his, <laughs> his delivery of like, what'd you do? is so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah or, or, see, I, I, I like when they get to the diner too where he's like, Richard, is there a mark on my face? No, I thought I hit you in the shoulder. That's weird, because my face really hurts. Not so much here or in here, but in this general region here. Oh, mm-hmm. like yeah. I, I love that, yeah. But, you know, it's funny that we were talking a couple weeks ago with Goofy Movie about these roadside attractions, because here we have the Enchanted Forest, or whatever it was called. But you know what? Let, let's go back to the diner for a moment. Helen there, I found out, was supposed to be played by Roseanne, but scheduling didn't quite work out so helen was played by this other lady but you know i love this moment so much and i've already been quoting tommy boy so why don't we do a little i used to like this one piece theater jordan you have not been initiated into an i used to like this one piece theater yet so basically we are just doing a cold reading of a script Okay, so Jordan, Colin, I have just sent you both a script. I was going to be a jerk and just take Tommy off the table, but do either of you want Tommy? Because he's got the big speech here. So we've got Tommy, we've got Helen, and we've got a couple lines from Richard at the end. Okay, I'll I'll be Richard. Okay, I'll be be Helen. Okay. We'll give Sean, Sean, this is your moment. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Okay, Tommy boy. Hey. What's your name? Helen. That's nice. You look like a Helen. Helen, we're both in sales. Let me tell you why I suck as a salesman. Let's say I go into a guy's office. Let's say he's even remotely interested in buying something. 
Well, then I get all excited. I'm like Jojo, the idiot circus boy with a pretty new pet. Now the pet is my possible sale. Oh, my pretty little pet. I love you. And then I stroke it. I pet it. I massage it. <laughs> I love it. I love my little naughty pet. You're naughty. And then I take my naughty pet and I go... Oh, I killed it. I killed my sale. And that's when I blow it. That's when people like us have got to forge ahead, Helen. Am I right? God, you're sick. Tell you what, I'll go turn on the fryers, the fryers back on and throw on some wings for you. Hey, thanks, Helen. Tommy likey. Tommy want wingy. <laughs> Did that board to the head knock something loose? Why? That 180 you just pulled with the waitress. Why can't you sell like that? No, I was just having fun. Yes! I used to like this from Peace Theater. <laughs> I, I love how this uh, scene is also introduced with the I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So after all these sales that have been going on, we get to a hotel room and Richard is having a meltdown. So Tommy does his fat guy in a little coat routine. That that was also my outgoing voicemail for a little while. Fat guy <laughs> in a little coat. Man, you really love this movie, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I, starting. It's all starting to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> So they finally end up making a sale. This this was a possible other scene that I was going to do was the, I can take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed. I will. I've got spare time. I, I almost did that scene. But I, I like when Tommy finally turns on the charm and he, he finally gets the sticking your head up a butcher's ass. No, no. It's got to be your bowl. What? <laughs> <laughs> See, see, Colin, when you're looking back at it, you're kind of like, oh, okay, maybe there's more funny parts than I thought. See, I mean, maybe we'll turn you by the end of this discussion. Maybe. I think I had this experience once with the movie Nacho Libre, so it's become one of my favorite movies of all time, but I used to think it was the dumbest movie of all time yeah. until I watched it with people who really, really loved it. And I think, I kind of think that's what needs to happen with Tommy boy like I think I need to watch it with you and then I'll appreciate it more <laughs> <laughs> I mean it just yeah I mean everything about it the the shirt getting sucked up through the pneumatic tubes the the way that he manages to when he's trying to stop the trucks and and so Paul shoots and accidentally hits the sign because of the seatbelt I mean it's just like all these moments the I kind of I kind of had a question that maybe you guys will be able to answer is like I when I was in high school, call like early university, it was very much about the Judd Apatow sensibility, like Forty Year Old Virgin, knocked up all those movies. Yeah, okay. And and when it comes to older comedies from the nineties, I do like Adam Sandler. Like I like Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison and Wedding Singer, and in my mind, I feel like Adam Sandler and Chris Farley are similar, but. When when I watch this movie, I realize that there's something there's a there's something different comedically about them that I like one and I'm not I don't really like the other. 
So I was wondering if maybe you guys might have any theories on like what is what is the difference between Adam Sandler and Chris Farley? Well, Adam Sandler pounds. was able to make more movies. Yeah, 150 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Adam Sandler, he made more movies and he had bigger hits because he was alive longer. Yeah. I, I think another thing is that Chris Farley, as hilarious as I find him, he does have his one trick. Right. Okay. Where, whereas whereas Adam Sandler takes big swings with character. And that's something that Chris Farley never really did with it, with character. He was always kind of the shut up Richard guy like that. You know, it, one, one of the, one of the recurring skits that he used to do on Saturday Night Live was something he called the Chris Farley show. And it was just a talk show. And so he would have the famous person from that week on and he'd be like, you know, so Paul McCartney, remember that time you were in the Beatles and Paul McCartney would be like, yeah. And he'd go, yeah, that was awesome. Right. Like that, that was, but like, that's the Chris Farley. And I mean, that's kind of what you get from Tommy boy, you know, black sheep Mm -hmm. is kind of the same. He's the same bumbling fool in, uh, in Beverly Hills Ninja. He's kind of the same character with a, uh, mildly racist accent going on, but that's about the most that he gets into character. So when Adam Sandler takes big swings with like, he's not just the yelling guy, he's also got, you know, water boy. And he's also got, all these other, you know, uh, little Nicky, all these big characters. Yeah. 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 He does more character, I think. And that might be what it is. Hmm. I think one of my favorite moments in like the motel scenes is the, the moths. (laughs) (laughs) Could there be any more mouths in here? (laughs) (laughs) The excessive amount of moths. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That was pretty good. Yeah. The, and, and then we've got the scene where he runs out to get a pizza, Tommy runs out, and so we've got the girl that's deciding to skinny dip in the pool. And the mm-hmm. speaking of no one's looking, zip. <laughs> but I, I noticed that he's wearing boxer shorts. So is this a kind of boxer short that has a zipper that I'm unaware of? That seems dangerous. <laughs> is he? I yeah. I never even noticed. Yeah, I he thought jumps- he was. He jumps back into bed and he's wearing boxers. He's wearing boxers. Yeah. Yeah. I thought maybe he was wearing pants and then he like took his pants off. Oh. And then jumped into the bed, but I could be wrong. I'd have to it, it I'd have to run that. it back. Yeah. Let's check the tape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instant replay. So apparently though, this girl is one of David Spade's best friends, or at least was at the time. And after this movie, Chris Farley ended up dating her for a while, but they kept it on the down low. And unfortunately, David Spade also had a crush on her. So it put a bit of a strain on their friendship for a while there, too. Like, Man, Chris, Far- like, Chris Farley and David Spade were friends, right? Like they were. Yeah, right? Okay. They were office <laughs> like- mates. Yeah. They're, I mean, supposedly they. I don't know. They seemed like they had a bit of a. Uh- contentious relationship contentious relationship yeah i think a lot of it might have been chris farley's drug use i mean yeah i i've i've lived with someone that has a drinking problem and you you reach a point with that person yeah so then it's time for the yes montage which ends in detroit and they have hit their goal and it's time to celebrate but paul has changed some numbers in the computer so and we find out that Zelinsky will be taking over the factory and shutting it down. So they decide, 
Well, one last ditch effort. We're going to fly to Chicago to try to stop this sale. Yeah, but not not before Tommy subtly blames Michelle for, for ruining it all. Oh, subtly, eh? That's what you got out of that? <laughs> well, this, this this is my... It's like she gets she her her response to his to him is kind of like like I almost I almost read his, his delivery of like you know maybe if you had uh, what does he say he says like maybe if you had not it's basically she used she if uses you had paper. kept her file in filing cabinets like everyone else yeah yeah <laughs> but then she just she just like starts yelling at him as if it would and it would have made more sense for Tommy to be more mad but he's kind of just like softly like well. Maybe if you had, but I still like I still love you and I still want to be your boyfriend. Yeah. But she's just like immediately angry and furious. Yeah, it's pretty passive aggressive. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I I did skip over though before before they go to Chicago. I skipped over the brilliant how to get out of a cop chasing you when you're drunk. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> the bees. The bees. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder I, if anyone has ever used that and had it work. I feel a hundred percent somebody has. <laughs> and maybe maybe tried. not like maybe not had it work in the sense that like the cops are gonna go away, but I mean for sure for sure if that happened and the the genius of it is that you can't check, especially at night, because you wouldn't see the bees yeah. buzz away. Yeah. Right. Uh, They're lucky those police didn't start trying to shoot those bees. Yeah. <laughs> that's honestly that's where I expected it to go. <laughs> yeah, apparently though, bees do not come out at night. So it's not a very good excuse anyway. So you have to find you know bats, bats, that's what you need bats. to use. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a bat in my neighborhood. I'll sit on my back deck and it'll swoop past me right when dusk starts. It's out for the prowl for the night. <laughs> you sure it's not a vampire there, Sean? You know, they <laughs> they take not. bat form sometimes. I haven't invited it into my house yet, so I'm still good. Man, I've been watching oh. how uh, what we do in the shadows lately. My God. Like, I, I'm late to the party here, but my God, I powered through the first two seasons. I fucking love it. It's so funny. Yeah. Have you watched the movie? I haven't. No. Uh, okay. I, yeah, I'm an idiot that's done it backwards. Apparently, gotcha. but now I'm hooked on the series, so I'll watch the movie once I reach the end. Yeah, it's awesome. So they sneak onto the airplane because they they can't get a uh, a ticket. I I still love the announcements. I mean, except for the one that's got some problematic language, but you know. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm surprised that well I mean I watched my DVD but I, I wonder if nowadays they've somehow dubbed it so that it says like Tommy will come and hit you in the head because you are an idiot I wonder if they've done something like that well I, I watched it on Paramount Plus and they they did not so I oh think okay it's still they've kept it intact for historical it's still purposes. alive and kicking right on of course I believe that's one of like two uses of that word in this movie anyway so. Eh. Not, not what so word does he say? I can't. I don't remember. I oh. guess I should go back and watch it. <laughs> T- Tommy will come back there and hit you in the head with a tack hammer because you are a retard. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So okay, yeah. So uh, the the physical comedy in the bathroom is also a good one. I'm interested in how they did the uh, the quick change for Richard, though. Like, where where's the split screen on that one? The 
Like in the in the plane? Yeah, Richard goes into the bathroom and comes out immediately in a new outfit. Right, changes yeah. super fast, and then uh, Chris Farley gets stuck in the bathroom. He gets yeah. his foot in the toilet and all that stuff. Yeah, but it's done in one shot. The the part where Richard goes into the bath. So I'm just wondering, where's the split screen on that? Because I think that's an impressive, like it's simple special effects somehow, but I, I think it's very effective still. You're trying to remember. Colin doesn't remember. I remember. I remember like Tommy getting changed because yeah. that's the event. But yeah. I think that's kind of the thing about this movie is it's always just like, and I mean, right? Clearly, it is. But it's like it's just a vehicle from one Chris Farley ridiculous thing to the next, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. there's no need. There's no need to show what happens to Richard because it's like it's kind of like subtly saying like, oh. He's he's a skinny white man. Nothing bad will happen to him. He'll just go in, change, and leave. But then yeah. you have like you know tons of fun as you go in, and then it's this like mayhem because yeah. you know we all know that bathroom uh, or airplane bathrooms are ridiculously small. It's shocking he could even fit in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, it's true. Uh, I mean, it, instead Richard gets the ball joke. You know, we we get the joke of finding out that you know he's wearing a toupee. Yeah, the fun the funny thing about that though is like David Spade isn't bald. <laughs> no, there's there's like a weird I don't know. I'll talk about it more at the end. But this again like comes to the the point of this documentary. Yeah, they just talk about so much like how like Chris Farley like genuinely struggled with his weight. And it makes it really hard to watch this this movie just with like all the fat jokes. Like the the like comedy star number one is just the fact that this guy is so fat that fat makes him funny. Yeah. And I found that like I don't know. It was tough. Yeah. Does this suit make me look fat? No, your face does. Lines like that. Yeah. Right. They are funny. I I'll say this though. This is the one thing that I think makes like Chris Farley good. But he didn't achieve that greatness that like John Candy achieved. Because you watch John Candy stuff and his fatness is never acknowledged. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. He does a lot of funny stuff, but it's not about him being a fat guy. You know, whereas Farley, it was yeah. they drew all the attention to the fact that he was fat and then threw him through a wall. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's very true. Yeah. It it does feel a little bit more like people laughing at him rather than with him in a way. Right. Yeah. I guess I've never really thought of that and I'm going to have to watch this documentary. I have read a uh, a Chris Farley biography, which I found absolutely fascinating because the whole thing was pieced together with interviews with the, the people that knew him. And so okay. they, they took snippets of all these th- interviews and, you know, somehow made a narrative out of it telling his story. And it was just – it was absolutely incredible to read because I am a big Chris Farley fan. So – yeah. Um, a little extracurricular, extra research on my part there. You know what uh, uh, Chris Farley reminds me of, or the, I guess with Tommy Boy and kind of Black Sheep a little bit, is a Rob Ford. You remember he was yeah. running around, he was pulling <laughs> yeah. people over, he was smoking crack. He was, yeah. you know, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, for sure. See, and maybe, maybe maybe Doug Ford could play Chris Farley in the bio. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Ah, <laughs> uh, Canadian political humor. That's for you Americans out there. Yeah, I remember a lot of people, like, at the height of the Rob Ford thing when he was appearing on Letterman or Jay Leno or whatever it was at the time, and that whole scandal was happening. Like, a lot of people, like, I, I felt like it, 
I do remember thinking it brought Chris Farley back into the forefront because I heard so many people being like, oh, if only he was alive to play this man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've never seen them in the same room together at the same time. Sounds like an Elvis Elvis scenario. Yeah. Chris Farley faked his death and went into politics. (laughs) They're not taking me seriously. I need to Jesse Ventura this shit. (laughs) And then then died of a cocaine addiction again. Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) old habits, man, you know. (laughs) So they get to Chicago and Tommy accidentally holds up a bank. (laughs) Uh, Can I get everybody's attention for just one second? Oh, I love it. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> but then we finally get to meet Zelinsky, who is, I guess, Colin's favorite in this movie. <laughs> Went a little heavy on the pine tree perfume there, kid, eh? <laughs> Can we bring it back to the bank for a second? Yeah, what okay. weak security guards. They instantly <laughs> throw their guns to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did like them. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then when they, uh, they're doing the interview with the TV crew, they're like, yeah, you know, he came at me with like a hammer. And uh, <laughs> hit me multiple times in the head. Yeah. Which is probably an idea he got from Richard's little comment on the plane there. Yeah. Oh, so the security guard was just coming to work from Ohio. And he, he was on the same flight. There you go. Yeah. I I mean, I've seen enough uh, security, quote unquote, in malls and transit centers and whatnot around my own city here to know that. Yeah. I, I'm sure there would be a a gun being tossed across the room pretty quickly if they even had guns. So uh, eager to get rid of their weapons, though, it was like he barely even spoke and they're throwing them out of the holster there. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. Bank bank might want to find better guards. All I'm saying. It's true. <laughs> they might. Yeah. So, yeah. So we, we've got Zelensky in the elevator and we find out that Zelensky is actually a bit of an asshole, even though Tommy thought that he looks nice in the commercials. And we see that his family is then there to sell the company. But Michelle shows up just in time because luckily her brother, the cop, was able to do some digging, found out that uh, that Tommy's family is not exactly who they say they are. So, Colin, as a first time watcher, did you see the that's not actually my mom twist coming? Uh, I mean, it's shown earlier at the carnival where you see them walking. So, I mean, like, you know, this isn't the moment of the twist, but, you know, I just mean in general. I didn't really. And then I was confused. Like once the carnival happens, then I was like, okay, but then I was confused because I assumed that there was going to be something where they were involved in Big Tom's death. Yeah. Like, they had poisoned him somehow. Yeah. But then at the carnival, they just explained, like, no, their actual plan was just for her to marry him and then divorce him, basically. Yeah. Which, I mean, that seems like a... That seems like too long of a con for my... <laughs> my uh, liking, you know? If you, if you... Like, how badly do you need this money? Yeah. But the so, son would know. be living there. I mean, so... I guess, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I felt like they didn't... They they should have waited longer to show that these two were in an actual relationship. I thought it would have been I I would have liked it better if if it was more like a Tommy versus Paul for the majority of the movie, and then all of a sudden, you know, towards the end, it's revealed that they're lovers or something like that. Yeah, it it, it is interesting that they cast someone age appropriate though for Brian Dennehy. 
rather yeah. than like, oh, he's got this 25-year-old bride. I mean, you, know, yeah. you, you cast someone that you could believe, okay, no, this is actually a good fit. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was weird because you buy it for Brian Dennehy, but then weirdly, I was kind of you don't get it as much for Rob Lowe. Yeah, I mean, it is Bo Derek, I guess she's you know an icon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but really, he could have been anywhere between the age of twenty and sixty in this movie, and I wouldn't know because yeah. it's Rob Lowe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Tommy has an idea. Because he knows the easiest way to get the news team interested is to pretend to hold up a bank. <laughs> like, I, I love that it's immediately called back. It's like, okay, here's an idea. But yeah, so he comes in with the road flares strapped to his chest and gets him back into the building to talk to Zelinsky. And he uses the news cameras to get Zelinsky to buy half a million brake pads right there on live TV. At, at what point do you think the news would just give up and say, uh, why are we still filming this? Like, as soon as he takes off the road flares, don't you think they'd be like, okay, never mind, fuck this guy? Kind of. I mean, like, what investment do they have in a small auto parts store from Sandusky, Ohio? Yeah. Like, they don't, it's not like this buyout is national news, I don't think. No, I don't think it is. Probably not. Yeah, but they wouldn't just let him go after pretending to have a suicide vest on. Yeah, there's that too. But I mean, yeah. we already know they have very poor security in the in the building. So who's, re- <laughs> who's really coming to get him? Yeah. So it, it's announced at the end that Tommy Boy is going to be made the new head of the company. <sighs> Ultimately, do you think that is the right call? Yeah, no, I, I think it. <laughs> I think that Tommy should have immediately transferred over power to Richard and yeah. remained in like and remained in like an advisory role. Yeah. yeah. I mean but, Tommy Tommy has the char- the charisma to be the face of the company. I would still put him him forward as like the guy who does media stuff and maybe goes to all the events and whatnot. Yeah. But I think I would want Richard as the uh the like guy looking after stuff. Yeah. No, that's for sure. Absolutely. So we get the ending in the boat where Tommy is talking to his dad, saying that he's hoping that he's making him proud and yada, yada, yada. And the end. That is Tommy Boy. This is among uh, Roger Ebert's most hated films, though, I found <laughs> out. But it's, it's one of Quentin Tarantino's favorites. He actually has a high-quality 35-millimeter print of this, of this movie that he likes to show at gatherings. Wow, well, who are, who are we going to side with, I guess? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've both seen a lot of movies. They have both seen a lot of movies, but Quentin Tarantino's made a lot of movies. That's true. Not just mm-hmm. seen them. Yeah. So I feel like he's got a finer appreciation for for film. <laughs> true, true. Well, now, Colin, Jordan, on IMDb, it has scored 7.1 out of 10 and has a meta score of 46. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has 41% on the tomato meter and an audience rating of 90%. (laughs) Audiences love this movie. But Colin, those are just numbers. Like a 2x4 across the old kisser. Hit us with some reviews. All right. Noah G says 5 out of 5 stars. One of the funniest movies I've ever seen, Chris Farley and David Spade are my favorite comedy duo. The end of the film made me wonder what we could have seen from Farley if he hadn't gone too soon. That pretty much 
is the synopsis of ninety percent of reviews. I didn't oh, realize okay. that I didn't realize that Chris Farley uh died when he was like thirty three years old. Yeah. Yeah, he was a young one. Adam P says four out of five stars. It always pains me when I revisit a movie and don't love it as much as I used to. I still really enjoy this one, but it doesn't hit the same way that it did in the nineties. It's still enjoyable and wholesome, but I didn't find it quite as funny as I did back then. It just comes off as a lot more quaint these days. Farley's performance is legendary though, and it's impossible to find huge faults here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can get it right. Like it, still makes me laugh really hard but i can understand that okay it might not be for everyone anymore but it's so ingrained in my dna (laughs) that that i can't not like this movie well i think one of the beauty things about this movie is that it isn't for everyone you know it's not one of those comedies that everybody's gonna like some people love it some people hate it but it's 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 a unique thing and something that we'll never get again yeah yeah jan Abel gave the movie five out of five stars and says, ask most critics and they will dismiss this movie in a heartbeat. Some have called it juvenile, while others say it is a complete waste of the viewer's time. So is it silly? Sure. But it is also heartfelt and touching at the same time. If you look past all the slapstick and goofiness, you will find some very lovable, sweet characters with a very talented Chris Farley leading the way. But it's the last scene that moves me the most, when his deceased father sends him a gust of wind to carry his sailboat to Michelle's house. Tommy's childlike wonder is truly endearing. Had he lived longer, we would have seen great things from this comic genius. Sadly, his dreams of becoming a serious actor would never be realized. But for this viewer, however, that is immaterial, for I have already witnessed his genius and will surely miss him. R.I.P. Chris Farley. You know, just listening to that review, it hit me why I was so taken by Chris Farley's dramatic stuff this time. And it's because I have recently lost my mom, and so I think the the idea of losing a parent just hit me differently this time and that's why i just saw some real emotion on his face like i i definitely spotted that and that's why that's why i made that comment earlier i i'm just realizing i i think that last review kind of summed it up that way is that see i think he did some beautiful acting Hmm. yeah i mean for a couple of scenes for a couple of scenes (laughs) uh let's see Noah Gonzalez gives the movie five out of five stars and says, this is probably one of the very few movies to make me both smile and laugh from beginning to end. Chris Farley and David Spade give us comedy at its finest, which made me want to sing along to every song they sang together in their trash car. By the time the movie finished, it made me appreciate the time Chris was here on earth and made me dream of what he could have done in the future. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Didn't even talk about any of the fighting over the radio. Oh boy. I just like the, I can live with it if you can. <laughs> that whole scene. That was such a great joke, too. With the they, they make fun of the fact that nobody really knows the words to that. This is the end of the world. As you know it, <laughs> yeah. Song. And they all join in for the chorus. What a great, great joke. <laughs> okay. So, like I said, 7.1 and 90 out of audiences and low 40s out of, <laughs> out of uh, critics. I, I imagine Roger Eberts has kind of hit that meta score. You know, I can't say anything bad about Tommy Boy. I mean, I know Colin might have some disagreements coming my way. It's, it's this is my movie and it, it's really tough. I've noticed to do an episode of a podcast when you have nothing but love for the movie. 
Like when when you can't find anything wrong with it. Like I I'm so used to picking things apart, but Tommy Boy Princess Bride was another one where it's just like yeah. you just spend half the time just quoting the movie because it just you love it so much. And so I'm still in the same place with Tommy Boy. I still love it and nothing will throw Tommy Boy off the pedestal I have it on. But uh, let's go over to Jordan first. We'll, we'll let Colin close this one out because, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you have some very valid points. And I do agree with a lot of the points that you have made. But let's throw it over jo- to Jordan. And on this viewing, Jordan, where, where do you sit with Tommy Boy? Thanks, Sean. I'm going to give Tommy Boy 10 Bo Derricks. Okay. And you can decide if that's good or if that's bad. I'll provide no <laughs> scale whatsoever. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, Colin... There we go. Jordan kept it short and sweet. Time for you to trash one of my all-time favorite movies. Let's let's hear it. Let's have it. Give it to me. I can take it. I mean, I'm not going to trash it. I, the most I'll ever say about a movie that I don't really like is that it just wasn't for me. Yeah. And I'll also go back to what I said at the beginning of, of the show. Like, I watched probably the worst thing I could have watched prior to watching this movie in that documentary that was you know, all about Chris Farley's sad life. Yeah. And then and then to watch this movie where it's like I think you want to watch this movie thinking like he's he's in on the joke, but I couldn't help but watch the entire movie being like they're just making fun of him the in the entire time and he's just like trying like in that document they talk so much about how like insecure he was about his funniness and like watching Tommy Boy, all I wanted to say was like like, you don't have to, like, I just want to be like, you don't have to hurt yourself to be funny. Like, you don't have to be, like, the big stupid dumb guy to be funny. Like, yeah. you're funny. Like, yeah. you don't have to do all this stuff. And so, I don't know. And just not really being familiar with him, I guess. It was kind of like to only have this sad view of of him as a as an actor and a person. It was a, it was a tough watch for me. Yeah, it is. It is really tough when your star is painted as a tragic character before you even get into the movie. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I imagine it would be tough to watch a Robin Williams movie if I if I watched a documentary about how depressed he was towards the end and, and all that. Like it really shows me like yeah, you kind of have you you need to go into a movie a little bit a little bit pure i think and in this time and this one unfortunately i did not yeah yeah but that being said it's still it still had its moments like i said i like the i like the fun the stuff with the car door you know i like i like the sing along with brian dennehy i thought that was really fun and it, it, it wasn't all bad but it definitely in terms of comedy i also really just don't get physical comedy like i don't I, even now I, I really don't get melissa mccarthy I don't understand that. I don't understand the draw of, of her, and yeah. I don't. It just doesn't tickle my funny bone, in see, in the but, way that it does some other people. But but you're a big Jim Carrey fan. Yeah, but I mean, I guess. But I, I find like Jim Carrey, or even like Mike Myers, I guess, when it comes to physical, I like I like the faces and the weird the weird voices and all that. But I don't like the fat guy can't fit inside an airplane bathroom and he's getting hit by everything and his okay. tie is getting sucked down the toilet and or he's like going through the factory and running into metal beams and all that. like i don't know yeah that's that's interesting because i find that to be one of the most relatable parts of the comedy 
Yeah. Yeah. All of the bumping into things and you know clumsiness and crashing into things. But I grew up with three stooges, so maybe that hits a little different for me. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of uh, glass doors get run into in this movie, and you know, but yeah, I'm still there for it every time. Nice. <laughs> Son of a. I'm glad for you. We didn't even yeah. talk about like the holy shnikes. Holy shnikes, like the... yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta love a holy shnikes. And that's that's definitely the one that I usually turn to first if I'm about to swear in front of my kids. It's also like a nice funny swear that you could teach to your kids. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if they felt if they felt the need to, you know, express themselves in that way. Well, yeah, I mean, he says son of a ten times, but he never actually finishes the sentence. So, you know, that's the yeah. thing is they figured out how to make him swear and keep the rating PG. Yeah. I guess my other my other question for you guys is I actually own this movie and Black Sheep because I saw them. They were in a box of Blu-rays that I bought on Facebook Marketplace for 20 bucks. Yeah. How does how does Tommy Boy compare to Black Sheep? Is it the better of the two? Ooh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Black Black Sheep was like an unofficial sequel to Tommy Boy in a way. Like it's like a spiritual sequel because it's basically yeah. the same movie. Okay. Yeah. The premise is slightly different, but it's the same exact same style of comedy, same cast with uh, David Spade and Chris Farley. Yeah. And uh, and a lot of the same jokes, like him uh, falling down the giant hill. In Tommy Boy, and then he does it again in Black Sheep. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, it, it's one of these where it there's this guy running to be a congressman, and yeah. and they have to try to keep the idiot brother hidden. And of course, the idiot brother is it's Chris Farley. Is Chris Farley, and the person put in charge of keeping him hidden is is David Spade. So, and of course, once again the Fool saves the day. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So what so there's Tommy Boy Black Sheep. What are the other Farley movies? Beverly Hills Ninja. Beverly Hills Ninja. Yeah, he he has a scene in Dirty Work. <laughs> okay. But th- yeah. that's a those, great those, movie. Those, yeah, he those got his nose are... bit off by a Saigon whore. <laughs> yeah. And he was he was this close to being Shrek. He would have been Shrek if had he lived. Yeah. Oh wow! And uh, he, he even recorded in... a bunch for uh, for Shrek. Yeah, he was in Coneheads. Yeah, and Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Okay. Uh, part two. Part two. Or yeah, Wayne's World this, two. Yeah, he was the roadie. Yeah. The overeager roadie. Yeah. Yeah, like like Dirty Work. He's just this character that pops in every once in a while. Same thing with with uh, Wayne's World. I mean, he's got he he did two days of filming on those movies. That kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, for Chris Farley led. I've seen none of those movies, so I'll go check them out. (laughs) Yeah, no, for Chris Farley led, it's uh, the two that you've uh, that that you already own, and Beverly Hills Ninja. I don't really think there's anything else that's really led by him. Oh, and Almost Heroes. There's that one too, the one he did with Matthew Perry. Okay, I I remember being. I remember Beverly Hills Ninja being a massive deal when it was coming out. Yeah, and people talking about it a lot. Maybe I'll check that one out next. Yeah. Yeah, get a young Chris Rock in that one, too. Well, there we go. That is Tommy Boy, and that's our show for this week. Oh, boy. A huge thank you to our special guest for this week, Jordan Ward. Jordan, plug your shit. Well, thank you very much, Sean and Colin. It's always a pleasure to be here on your show. 
I really enjoyed this. Huge fan of Tommy Boy. If you want to check out my stuff, I do comedy on goodimprov.com. You can check us out on YouTube, Good Improv, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And thank you again for having me. And you, you guys no have problem. been doing some uh, movie-related stuff late, lately as well, where it's you're kind of doing a mystery a science theater 3000-type deal with some movies. Yes, we've got a series called Good Improv Watches where we take a stupid movie, sometimes a Canadian movie, and we watch it and make jokes, and it's a whole bunch of fun. And we're actually going to be filming a movie this fall, and it's going to feature a lot of hot dogs. It's going to be like Mad Max, but with hot dogs. So look forward to that. (laughs) I think working title is going to be The Road Dog. So look forward to that coming this winter. Right on. Right on. That's awesome. If you like that show, one thing you can do to really help us out on the business end is, well, just tell people. Word of mouth spreads every... Jesus fucking Christ, every time. (laughs) Word of mouth spreads like herpes on your brain. (laughs) Yeah. Spreads Ah. like monkeypox at a gay bathhouse. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) keeping it topical. (laughs) But tell people, tell people to listen to our show and help us get some more earballs on the show. Or if you want to go above and beyond, uh, go to whatever app you listen to your podcast on and give us some stars. We like five of them. Five is a good number. Give us some stars, a little review, help drive us up the charts. Let science do the work and let those algorithms move us up the charts and get us noticed. Or if you want to go step above and you have a couple extra bucks floating around every month, want to be an executive producer of the show, go over to patreon.com slash I used to like this one and you become part of our Patreon community and get a shout out on the show just like executive producer Joshua Blum. And be sure to check out our website, www.iselectthisone.com, where you can find links to all our podcast episodes and social media. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And if you want to let us know what movies you used to like, send us an email at iselectthisone at gmail.com. I Used to Like This One is created by, hosted by, and produced by Sean Wells and Colin Stewart. It's edited by Sean Wells, music by Lyndon Carter. Look for his band, Carter and the Capitals, anywhere you listen to music. And if you want to hear more content from me and some stories about my day job as a bus driver, go check out my other podcast, In Front of the Yellow Line, anywhere pods are cast. Thank you for listening. And join us next time when we take a look at another movie on I Used to Like This One. Number 98 in the books. Nice. Yeah, 98. Two left for the big trip. Trippy digis. Right on, man. That's great. Uh.